let's take a second and just read these lyrics. I'm not going to add nothing to it. I'm not going to add a little spice. I am just going to read these lyrics to you all. And y'all tell me how they make y'all feel. Major Harris. This is, this is your boy Major getting off now. This is him, him talking. The time is right. You hold me tight. And love's got me high. Oh, oh. Please tell me yes. And don't say no, honey. Not tonight. I need to have you next to me. In more ways than one. And I refuse to leave. Till I see the morning sun. Creep through your window pane. Cause love won't let me wait. Not one more minute. This brother's told this young lady you better tell me yes because i am not leaving here until you give me them cheeks he said it far more whimsical than that but ladies and gentlemen this brother major being a little aggressive i need to have you next to me in more ways than one ladies if a brother looks in your eyes and said that i need you in more ways than one and i ain't leaving till the morning sun probably text your homegirl immediately Please come over here. This brother is tripping. This is the Out of Character Podcast. Introducing your host, Brian Colbert. Welcome, world. Welcome to another episode of the greatest podcast in the world. Yes, I said it. The greatest podcast in the world. The out of character podcast this is episode 36 ladies and gentlemen 36 episodes in to the out of character podcast as always i am your host brian colbert my friends call me bc you can call me bc too if you're listening if you're listening we appreciate you for listening if you're a first time listener welcome we hope you enjoy the show if you're a returning listener welcome back thank you for being here with us for 36 episodes yes ladies and gentlemen 36 episodes and it's been so much fun as y'all know your boy moved out to texas so yes the episodes have been coming in a little slow i'm sorry about that but i promise y'all we are working we are making content we are doing so many great things out in texas and there's a lot more to come ladies and gentlemen but i promise y'all i'm gonna do my best to try to get behind this microphone as much as i can and talk to y'all because let me tell y'all I get to do a lot of lot of cool things, man, especially with this new job. I'm blessed to do a lot of dope things. But being behind this microphone and talking to y'all on the podcast is still my favorite, favorite thing to do. And it's crazy because my dad's 60th birthday just passed, right? My dad just turned 60. 60 years old. That's six decades. Six decades. That's crazy for a black man in America to hit 60. Especially when you coming from where my pops came from. I ain't going to tell all your business, but you know what I'm saying? Like 60 years, what a blessing it is. So first things first, shout out to my dad. Happy birthday, pops. 60 years old. That's a blessing. My dad is exactly 30 years older than me. He had me when he was 30. So that means I'm getting, getting close to 30 as well. But man, 60 years, bro. I hope in 30 years I look as good as you do. I hope to make it. Another 30 years of life, man. So shout out to my pops, man. Happy birthday. Now, like I said, we're not recording content as frequently as I would like. So there's a lot to get into, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot to get into. I do not want to waste any time on that. First things first. Now, y'all can't see me 
Right now I'm wearing a nice black shirt that says Black Astronaut on it. It's my boy Charles's brand. It's his shirt brand. My guy Charles. Y'all seen him on You Better Ask Somebody. If y'all don't remember Charles, go check out his You Better Ask Somebody. Man, it was hilarious. My boy from Jersey reps Miami a lot, man. My guy Charles, a great dude, sent me this shirt, man. Shout out to you. And it's just so fitting that I'm wearing a Black Astronaut shirt today, right? Because my first topic has to do with ufos yes ladies and gentlemen unidentified objects now i'm not completely sure how much i've talked about aliens on the podcast but for those of y'all that know me and that know me well y'all know i have an infatuation with aliens right with outer space with things that the world just doesn't really want us to know right the secrets that have been hidden from us because ladies and gentlemen i am no fool we are just a small little speck in this universe. For me to think that we are the only living beings out there would be asinine. That's how I've always felt. So I am constantly trying to stir up conversations and ask my family about aliens, about UFOs. And I have a sister and a brother-in-law that work in the military that probably know some things that would make my head explode. So I'm constantly messing with them, right? I'm constantly asking them questions about aliens, about UFOs. And every time I'm asked, they look at me like I'm crazy. They look at me like I'm crazy, ladies and gentlemen. And I do not understand why, because it's just something I know. I feel like I've seen UFOs. I've had plenty of moments where I've just seen things that I just could not explain. But when I tried to tell my family about it, specifically my sister, right? Because like I said, who knows what she knows in my head my sister's like the black black widow i think i've told you that before right i think she knows everything right i think she knows where all the bodies are buried so i'm constantly trying to ask her about ufos right now when i ask my brother-in-law he don't really say anything he just laughs right he doesn't really say too much but my sister she goes a little extra level and tries to make me feel silly and foolish about the things i think i've saw or the things i'm feeling right so when stories like this, like the one I'm about to tell you come out, let me tell you, I want to take the link and just send it right to her, right? I want to take the link and say, I knew it. I knew it. Ladies and gentlemen, the government has just had a meeting discussing UFOs. Now, I'll pull up this article right now so I do not sound crazy, so I do not make things up, so I do not paraphrase, because you know what? Like I said, when you hear UFOs, you immediately want to stop listening, right? It sounds crazy. I sound like a flat earther, right? But let me tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, I am not crazy. All of these people that have told you UFOs exist, that have told you they have seen aliens, may just be telling the truth listen to this ladies and gentlemen now this comes from cbs news i would like to think cbs news is a news source worth trusting so ladies and gentlemen i'm, I'm gonna read it to you right a house panel held the first public congressional hearing on unidentified flying objects in more than half a century on tuesday now they didn't say the first right this is the first in over half a century so just keep that in mind we've had ufo meetings before but Social media wasn't around. There wasn't so much access to knowledge, but now we're getting to know. I will continue. Top Pentagon officials say the number of unidentified aerial phenomena, they're calling a UAP. Now there's a new word, right? UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. Top Pentagon officials say the number of unidentified aerial phenomena reported by pilots and service members has grown up to about 400. 
That is 400 sightings of things that could not be explained. These are military officials, right? These are the best in our country. These are the best and brightest. They are saying they are seeing things that are unidentifiable. I will continue. Representative Andre Carson, a Democrat of Indiana and the chairman of the House of Intelligence Subcommittee on Counterintelligence, Counterterrorism, and Counterproliferation, opened the hearing by saying UAPs are a potential national security threat and they need to be treated that way. Now, I'm a civilian, but when I hear national security threat, I immediately think explosions. I immediately think war. I immediately think of the end of life as we know it. And then we put aliens in the mix, right? Beings that we've never met before. People that may have intelligence far beyond our grasp. Are you calling them a threat? I'll continue. Investigators were able to identify one of the 144 reports analyzed in their study of unidentified objects as a large deflating balloon. But the other 143 reports of UAP from 2004 to 2021 remain a mystery. Why that one report was released, a deflated balloon? I don't know if they think that like the word balloon sounds a little more whimsical and like we're not going to be terrified. But I'm telling you what, if I see a massive thing that looks like a deflated balloon and it's just flying through the atmosphere, I am going to be terrified. Terrified. I'll continue. There is little doubt that the unidentified objects are real objects, whatever they may be, because at least 80 of the 144, yes, ladies and gentlemen, 144 incidents were detected by multiple sensors. The report found UAPs clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to U.S. national security. Now, yes, ladies and gentlemen, these are all hypotheticals. But for the government to be having a meeting, to be taking time, to be spending tax money, to have a meeting about UFOs and UAPs, it has to be serious, right? It has to be cause for concern. Now, ladies and gentlemen, UFOs might not seem like a big deal to y'all because maybe you've never seen them before. Maybe even though the government admits that they exist, maybe you still don't believe they exist. Maybe you don't believe they exist and maybe you feel like they will never be an issue to us. But ladies and gentlemen, sometimes when you see things like this, you got to wonder, is there a pattern? Is there more things going on in this world? And because I like to stay prepared, because I never want to be surprised, because I like to think that anything is possible, I sat and thought to myself, what if we interact with aliens every day? What if you work with an alien? We have no idea what they look like. They could look just like us. They could have like fake skin or something like that and look like human beings. We have no idea what these aliens are capable of. They could have been living with us for centuries and we would have no idea. And yes, I know what you're saying, Brian, you sound crazy. Get some sleep, right? That's what y'all trying to tell me. But really think about it. When you're grocery shopping, when you're picking your kids up from school, when you're in traffic and you look over to the other car, haven't you ever felt, hmm, that person looks a little funny. That person doesn't really look like they're from here. Lord knows I have. Lord knows I have interacted with multiple people that I felt like, hmm, the aliens were out here. You might be the one. 
For example, ladies and gentlemen, I had a third grade teacher named Mr. Lodat. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lodat. I did not make that up. And if any being in my life that I have encountered was to be an alien, let me tell y'all, ladies and gentlemen, it would be Mr. Lodat. Now, he didn't necessarily look like an alien. He was just a regular tall white man, right? Just older, had gray hair. Didn't really look like an alien. But some of his actions were alien-ish. Now, I've never encountered an alien. Don't really know what they act like. Don't really know what their interests are. But Mr. Lodat just did things that made me question what this gentleman was about. My third grade math teacher, I believe it was algebra. I don't know if we were even doing algebra in third grade, but I'm going to say algebra because it just sounds interesting. I love the word algebra, right? It sounds a lot better. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Mr. Lodat. Mr. Lodat was always smiling. Mr. Lodat had the energy of a much younger man, right? Brother was in his 60s, but he acted like he was in his 20s. He was always on go. Every time I see Mr. Lodat, he was smiling. Every time I see Mr. Lodat, he was laughing. He was one of those people that would just start laughing just because he was speaking. There would be nothing really funny going on, but the minute he would start talking, he just started laughing. And he just had this smile and this expression about him that just did not seem real. No old white man is that happy 24-7, right, is what I would say to myself, what me and my friends would say to ourselves. But there's nothing wrong about smiling. There's nothing wrong with being friendly. I'm friendly. I smile all the time. That is not necessarily what made it weird. But like I said, when things compound, when things continuously happen and build, it makes you start to question everything. Miss Lodat had a mean sweet tooth. A sweet tooth I have never seen before. Mr. Lodat would have a big basket. A massive wicker basket of candies, right? And it would mostly be chocolate. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's an elementary school teacher. He keeps candy around for the kids. That's what we thought as well. But nine times out of ten, the main person going to eat out of that candy bowl was Mr. Lodat himself. He would face about five, six mini Kit Kats each and every class. Ladies and gentlemen, I could not make this up. Once again, having a sweet tooth is not weird, but a 60-plus-year-old man consuming that amount of chocolate within, what's class, is an hour, 45 minutes? And this is daily. This is a regular occurrence. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to chalk that up to weird things Mr. Lodat did. Another thing about Mr. Lodat that always struck me as odd was his attire. Now, you know, on cartoons, the characters wear the same outfit every single episode. Maybe they have like a different color, but it's the same style of fit, right? And it's ridiculous because we know what human beings wear the same outfit every day. They change it up. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes it's warm. What have you. But not Mr. Lodak. Mr. Lodak kept the same attire throughout the week. He had a Monday fit, a Tuesday fit, a Wednesday fit, a Thursday fit, a Friday fit. And every single Monday, every single Tuesday, 
Mr. Lodat wore the same outfit he had wore that previous Monday, that previous Tuesday. We lived in Japan. And Japan, the weather, we had four seasons, right? It was a big thing in Japan where you got all the seasons. So not only was it warm, but it also was cold. But ladies and gentlemen, no matter the season, you would find Mr. Lodat in some short, too tight cargo shorts. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, my teacher would wear cargo shorts every single day. Now, I'm not going to throw slander on the man and say they were the same exact cargo shorts every time he stepped out the house. But they were the same color. They were the same brand. They were too tight all in the same, ladies and gentlemen. You see Mr. Lodat and you see a smile, a laugh, and cargo shorts. Now again, singularly, a man wearing the same cargo shorts and the same polo five days out the week may not be weird. But when you compound these things, it starts to get a little strange. Add that to the list of weird things Mr. Lodat did. Another thing Mr. Lodad would do would sometimes when the class was working or we would have a test, Mr. Lodad would go sit at his desk. Now, normally, when a teacher sits at their desk, they grade papers. They read. Back then, we didn't really have computers like that, but maybe they'd surf the web. But not Mr. Lodad. Mr. Lodad did none of these things. What Mr. Lodad would do would sit straight up at his desk, face forward, and stare off into space. He would look off into space with a blank stare and a smile. He wouldn't move. He wouldn't blink. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not sure if this man would be breathing. But this would also happen regularly. It was as if Mr. Lodat shut down completely. Like whatever was running this human flesh robot skin that this alien was embodying would just leave. The alien would just leave and take a little break. But Mr. Lodat's body was still there and he would just sit in autopilot. Again, sometimes people look off into space and they daydream. Especially when you're a teacher and you're teaching a boring subject like math, right? Sometimes you daydream. Not a weird thing at all. But when you compound all of these weird things together, ladies and gentlemen, that does not sound like a being from this world. Now, I was not the best behaved kid in school, to say the least. I would do things that would make even the calmest, happiest of teachers, just like Mr. Lodat, insane. It would drive them crazy. I once had my fourth grade teacher throw a chair at me, an entire chair. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's fair to say I was a mischievous child. And when I would come across nice, kind, sweet, quote unquote, teachers like Mr. Lodat, I would test them. I would try them. Not really sure why adolescent BC did this, but I did it. And I'm not ashamed to admit it. It was just who I was. I've come a long way. 
And like I said, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lodak kept a bowl of candy. He would keep a bowl of candy in the class, and we all knew about it, but he very seldom shared that candy. Because like I said, Mr. Lodak needed his fix. Mr. Lodak needed five Kit Kats and a Musketeers bar each and every class. Maybe it was because students like me were stressing him out. Who knows? But I found it odd. My friends found it odd, and we found it odd to the point where it angered us by the end of the year. You're not just going to parade this bowl of candy around to us. We want candy too. Why don't you share? There's plenty to go around. Ladies and gentlemen, this was not a small bowl. This was a fairly big bowl. This bowl could hold oranges and apples on the top of your mama's kitchen counter. This was the size bowl we're talking about. It was substantial. So one day, ladies and gentlemen, I'd had enough. I was fed up with Mr. Lodad and his weird ways. I was fed up with watching him eat my favorite type of candies every single class and never offer us any. I had had enough. So ladies and gentlemen, I made a plan. Me and my friends, we made a plan to distract Mr. Lodad enough to get him to leave his classroom Leave his classroom long enough to give me enough time to infiltrate his desk and take said candy. And ladies and gentlemen, we were successful. We got Mr. Lodad to leave for about a minute and a half. That was enough time for me to go get that candy bowl, take it and pour all of the candy into my backpack and leave the class. I made a clean escape. Ladies and gentlemen, by the time I was out of there, Mr. Lodad didn't know what hit him. Me and my friends had rationed off the candy. We hid it so that if anybody were to check my bag, they would never, ever suspect that I had anything to do with the missing Kit Kats. Ladies and gentlemen, it was smooth. One of the best heists I had ever completed in school. And sadly enough, ladies and gentlemen, I completed a lot of heists. get to school the next day we're back in mr lodak class we pull up got the cargo shorts on got the wrinkled polo on but today there was no smile there was no laugh from good old mr lodak instead this man was red from head to toe they know white folks get angry. They get like a certain like tint of red. This wasn't a tint, ladies and gentlemen. His entire hue changed. He was bright red, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, he was boiling. He was furious. We come in the class. We sit down and it's quiet. Remember I told y'all Mr. Lodat would just sit off in the space and just look off in the space. Well, he did this to start the class. He stood in front of the class and just looked off into space for what felt like forever. And ladies and gentlemen, like I said, up to this point, Mr. Lodat was a pushover. He was a nice guy. He was friendly. He was laughing. He was goofy. He was silly. He was somebody we would constantly make fun of. But today, Mr. Lodat was fed up. He yelled at the top of his lungs, I know one of y'all took my candy. He screamed it. Now, I would have just screamed it now, but I don't want my neighbors to freak out. It's a little late tonight. 
but he screamed it at the top of his lungs. He was furious. The white guy fury that you see at Trump rallies, I'm talking about, just red in the face. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe he deserved to be mad. Maybe he had every right to spaz out over this said candy. But when you interact with a person and you've never even seen them not smile and then they blow up in such a manner, it is another thing you want to add to that. Ah, oh, this guy's a little different list. This guy's a little strange. But the weirdest part about it was, ladies and gentlemen, as he continued to yell, his gaze started to turn to me. He started being very specific about the ways he felt his candy was taken. He never once said my name. He never once specifically called me out. But the way this man, Mr. Lode, had described the heist, let me tell you, I would have thought that there was a camera in the room. He knew every detail. He knew we had been planning it for weeks. He knew that this person's favorite candy was filled to the brim in this bowl. He knew what the favorite candy was. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, Mr. Lodat was a 60-year-old man. This was not a very aware individual. But he knew every detail to the heist. Now, like I said, this wasn't my first rodeo. This wasn't my first time taking something from a teacher when they weren't looking. So I can fairly say I left no evidence. There was nobody around that could have snitched. There wasn't even time to snitch. This was the very next day. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lodat held that candy thievery over my head for the rest of the year. Like I said, he never specifically pointed it out. But my grades suffered. Our conversations were never the same. Somehow, Mr. Lodat knew exactly what I did. Now, the clothes, the smile, the odd shutdown staring, and being able to see things that he wasn't physically there to see ladies and gentlemen if there was one person i have encountered that was an alien i promise you it was my third grade teacher mr lodat i promise you it was to this day to this day i think of mr lodat and i say you know what he was an alien among us but like i said for the most part he was a nice guy so, ladies and gentlemen, when you listen to this story, I want you to think about, have y'all met people that maybe were aliens? And maybe the thought that you may have might freak you out. But, ladies and gentlemen, to me, that is the best case scenario for us human beings. Because let's just say that there are aliens present. Let's just say that they've been chilling light years away, just watching us, just waiting. And now, all of a sudden, these past couple hundred years, they're, they're here. They're showing themselves. They're flying around military bases. Ladies and gentlemen, if they just happen to pop up on us, maybe we are in danger. There might be smoke. However, if these said aliens have been living among us this whole time, maybe that means we're safe. Maybe that means that Earth is a home to them. So we won't wake up one day to explosions everywhere or a massive war i don't know if y'all ever seen war of the worlds but that would be crazy they were vaporizing us they were killing us they were keeping us as slaves i would never want that to happen i much rather live in a world full of mr lodats 
So ladies and gentlemen, next time you're interacting with a strange person, next time you're interacting with somebody that just doesn't seem right, ask yourself, are they aliens? And if they are possibly aliens, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell y'all, don't steal the candy. Don't mistreat them. Don't talk crazy to them. Because there might be a day when these aliens do an uprise. And let me tell y'all, if that ever happens, Mr. Lodak, I am so sorry for stealing your candy, my brother. Ladies and gentlemen, shout out to my third grade teacher, Mr. Lodak. Hopefully, you are not an alien. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 36. Episode 36 of the greatest podcast in the world. The Out of Character Podcast, as always. I am your host, Brian Cobra. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We hope you've enjoyed the show thus far. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. What's good, family? Man, it's so much fun talking to y'all. We got a lot more to get into. Now I'm going to make a complete pivot. I'm going to make a complete change in what we're talking about. Because like I said, I haven't talked to y'all in a while. So sometimes when I haven't talked to y'all in a while, my ideas, my content is all over the place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, one thing about me you should know is that I am a huge, huge fan of music. You can tell by the artwork behind me when you watch on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube, OOCTV. Follow us on Instagram. Like, post, reshare, all that good stuff. I always forget to say that, but I know y'all going to do it because y'all got my back, right? But I'm a huge fan of music. And with a lot of things in life, actually, I am a very old soul, especially with music. So I listen to a lot of 70s, 80s, even 60s music, right? Because I feel like they made better love songs. Because I feel like back in the day, they really took their time with the music, right? You had to have real bands. You had to have real musicians. You didn't have auto-tune. You had to just really have talent. You didn't have all of this technology. So I have a very, very big appreciation for old school music. Especially old school love songs. Ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you as a young brother... They do not make love music like they used to back in the day. These brothers would get behind that microphone and start begging in ways I have never seen. But it's because back in the day, they really felt something, right? They really had to sing from their stomach, right? That, that part where you get the butterflies when you really love shorty. They were singing from that part. They were singing from what I would call their diaphragm. And they would just really get in their bag. So when I want to go and listen to some smooth R&B hits, I go back to the 70s. I go back to the 80s. I go back to the 90s. Because back then, them brothers were really in love. And ladies and gentlemen, now that I live in Texas, I am in the car driving constantly. I'm always in traffic. There's always traffic out here. There is constantly cars on the road, and it takes forever, at least 25 minutes, to get anywhere in this state. So I'm constantly listening to music and just having moments alone where I can reflect and really soak in the lyrics that I'm listening to. And this one song comes on in my shuffle, ladies and gentlemen, I feel like I have the greatest R&B playlist ever. Hundreds and hundreds of songs. You just hit shuffle and experience the vibes. That's what the playlist is called, Vibes. And I'm listening to this playlist called Vibes and a song comes on that maybe you're familiar with, maybe you're not familiar with. I'm playing it right now for those of y'all that are streaming on Spotify or on Apple Music. Y'all can hear it. But if you're on YouTube, you probably can't hear it. But the song is called 
Love Won't Let Me Wait by Major Harris. Now, ladies and gentlemen, growing up, when I would hear this song start, it felt as if the greatest love song ever written. It just felt like this man loved this particular woman so much that he had to not only sing about it, he had to tell the world about it. His love was so strong that it could not wait. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how I always interpreted this song because I would write on my dad a lot back in the day and he was a big music guy as well. And these were the type of music, the type of songs he would listen to, the type of songs he would sing along to. So I would always hear these and I would remember childhood BC vibing out with his pops, with his mom to these old school hits. But now that I am older, I can have a new appreciation for the lyrics these brothers was laying down. And the OGs always give the new artists such a hard time about their lyrical content. Oh, y'all don't sing about nothing. Y'all don't rap about nothing. The stuff y'all say now is crazy. The stuff y'all getting off in y'all lyrics is nuts. That's what the OGs say. But what if we sat and broke down some of the lyrics to these old songs like i said ladies and gentlemen love won't let me wait is an amazing amazing old school track you see it in movies you see it in tv shows it's a very recognizable jam but let's take a second and just read these lyrics i'm not gonna add nothing to it i'm not gonna add a little spice i am just going to read these lyrics to you all and y'all tell me how they make y'all feel now, ladies and gentlemen, if you were not able to hear the little snippet of the track I played, let me tell y'all, the track comes on smooth, smooth, the track comes on, right? Got the little horns playing. I think those are horns, but they playing, they playing. Major Harris, this is, this is your boy Major getting off now. This is him, him talking. The time is right. You hold me tight. And love's got me high. Boy, love's got me high. Now, I don't know if you ever really been in love, but when you just really in that love, boy, you feel like you're untouchable. That's what he's trying to say, right? Boy, I feel like he floating on cloud nine. Starts off nice, right? Please tell me yes. And don't say no, honey. Not tonight. I need to have you next to me in more ways than one. And I refuse to leave till I see the morning sun creep through your window pane. Cause love won't let me wait. Not one more minute. Babe. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you really heard what I just said, but this brother told this young lady, you better tell me yes, because I am not leaving here until you give me them cheeks. He said it far more whimsical than that. But ladies and gentlemen, this brother major being a little aggressive. I need to have you next to me in more ways than one. Ladies, if a brother looked you in your eyes and said that, I need you in more ways than one. And I ain't leaving till the morning sun. Probably text your homegirl immediately. Please come over here. This brother is tripping. 
But maybe I'm taking things out of context, right? There's a whole lot more song to go to. So I'm just, we're we going to keep reading. We're going to keep reading. The time is right. Turn down the lights and take my hand. So at this point, this brother has told her I'm not going nowhere. So you might as well shut the lights off. And take my hand. He takes her hand. He tells her we will take flight. And spend the night in a wonderland. Now, ladies, you know when a brother really trying to get in your drawers and he really not trying to leave, he starts trying to, like, gas up the experience. So my man Major is telling Shorty, listen, I'm about to take you to Wonderland. Don't even worry about it. You're good. Now, move a little close to me. You owe it to yourself. And I will selfishly take a little for myself. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not making these lyrics up. That is what it says. He told her you owe it to yourself, girl, to get this pipe. This ain't just about me. This is about you. You trying to block your blessings. But I'm going to be honest. I'm going to take a little for my. I don't even know what that means. I'm going to take a little for myself. So I don't know if Major trying to tell, listen, this is all about you. I'm trying to please you. I'm just going to take a little bit. This is a little for me. But really for you, I'm going to take you to this wonderland. I'll continue. Major was getting his shit off. And it's because of you that love won't let me wait. It's how he finishes that verse. And it's because of you. He wraps it all up in a bow and says it. Listen, at this point, this is you. You have me here. You're soft. You feel good. The lights is dimmed. What am I supposed to do? I'm a man, right? That's what, that's what Major's saying. You owe it to yourself to give me them cheeks. And it's your fault that I'm even asking for the cheeks. Is what Major is saying in this love song. And yes, if you're listening nine times out of ten, your parents was getting freaky to this jam. This is the type of smut they was listening to. I will continue. Now, Major has already gone through the stages, right? He's already let her know, shorty, I ain't leaving. This is happening. He's now turned the tables and made it seem like this is something that not only she wants, but this is something that she needs. But Major ain't done. Now Major hits the begging stage. I'll continue. I need your love so desperately. And only you can set me free. See, I need this as a man, I need this. And you as a woman are the only person that can give me what I need. When I make love to you, we will explode in ecstasy. Overcompensating again, Major. You're giving her too much. You're telling her too much. She's not going to explode in ecstasy, Major. She's not. You're overselling yourself. But this is what brothers do, right? This is what brothers do when they're trying to get the cheeks. They oversell themselves. We will explode in ecstasy. And I won't take the blame. That love won't let me wait. So he finishes again. Reminding Shorty that, listen, this is not my fault. This is all on you. Yes, I told you I ain't going to leave. Yes, I told you you need this. Yes, I told you what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to take you to Wonderland. But this ain't got nothing to do with me. This is all on you. Is what Major is saying. Ladies and gentlemen, I will continue reading the rest. But let me tell you, it's just a whole lot more of nastiness. And it is nasty, right? Because if Trey Songz made a track like that, basically forcing a young lady into a sexual rendezvous because they had a nice night, oh, he would be canceled immediately. But I think it's important to point out that us as a society and us as a gender, as men, 
we've been getting off nasty shit with these ladies for a really long time. When I read them lyrics, all I think of is, take it easy, Major. Take, take it easy. Getting a little too aggressive with Shorty, all right? If you got to sell yourself that much to get some draws, it wasn't meant to be. And I, and I know we're laughing about this, and I know it's funny because it's lyrics to a harmless song. But I brought this particular song up because I do feel that there are probably men listening right now or that would hear these lyrics or read these lyrics and feel that Major's approach, there was nothing wrong with it. Major was just expressing himself. Major was just trying to explain to this lady that she might miss out on the opportunity of the lifetime. Because in some men's mind, they are the opportunity of a lifetime. They feel as if they're bringing something to the table that these women have never seen before. And I'm guilty of it too, right? I feel like I'm special. I feel like some of these lines I've given women in the past, they've never heard before. Ooh, she won't never forget me. Boy, she won't never forget me. It's the kind of things we tell ourselves as men. She gonna forget you. She gonna forget you. Unless you end up being her husband or her baby father, she gonna forget you. Because you ain't showing her nothing new, bro. Them lines you giving her ain't nothing new. And sometimes I, I feel like us as men don't really understand that. And it's okay to think that we are special because we all are special, right? In our own ways. But sometimes when you think you're special, you start thinking you can say or do things or get away with things, especially with women, that are just unacceptable. I know plenty of brothers, much like our guy Major Harris, the songstress. I know brothers like Major Harris that come off in ways and say things to women that are just not okay. They don't mean nothing by it. All they're trying to do is find love. All they're trying to do is get the draws, which is natural, right? It's a human instinct. It's a manly instinct. But there are ways to go about it that are okay and that will make a woman laugh or smile. And then there are ways to go about it that will make a woman so uncomfortable that she feels the need to have to tell other people about how you approached her. And I bring this up, fellas, and I've, I've brought this up in group chats. I've talked to younger brothers, older brothers about this. Because in this world, this day and age right now, especially with the pandemic, everybody is jumping in DMs, right? Everybody's doing the dating apps. Everybody is sending messages, photos, Snapchats, DMs, what have you. And I don't think people really realize when you send this stuff over the Internet, it could be screenshot. It could be saved. It'll never go anywhere. It sticks with you. It's not like just a conversation in the club, right, where nobody's going to know who said what. Some of these young brothers are getting off DMs and messages that are being shared around to not only these girls' homegirls, but to maybe his homeboys, maybe his coworkers. And it happens all the time. And I don't know if it's because I have an outlet where I speak a lot about not only men, but I speak a lot about women too. And I like to feel that I truly do, like in right situations, hold men as accountable as I try to hold women, right? All my friends know I'm not letting sucker shit go around me. Like as a man, there's certain things you have to do. 
So I don't know if it's because that's how I always carry myself that women feel comfortable telling me things about other men that either I know that I'm cool with or having have encounters with. Women always feel the need to tell me about ways that these men got them fucked up, right? And I'm not nobody special, like I said. So I know if they're telling me, they're telling a lot of other people, y'all business, fellas. And I've been there too. I've sent some crazy DMs in my past. I've sent some DMs I wish I could get back. Back in the day, we didn't have the unsent feature on Instagram. So once you send something crazy, it's there forever. And back in the day, they didn't always tell you when people screenshot of stuff either. So your business was out in the street back in the day. So a lot of us older folks have learned already, like, be careful with what you're doing online. But some of these young brothers don't get it. So that's why I want to share this story right now. I'm not going to call nobody out. I'm not going to say nobody specifically. But a young lady I knew from my past life had just reached out to me on a whim and said, hey, you work at ESPN still? And I was like, nah, nah, I'm not there no more. But, you know, I was there for a minute, blah, blah, what's up? Well, I don't know if you know this guy, if he's your friend. But he worked at ESPN with you. You guys follow each other on Instagram, so you seem like y'all know each other. But, man, you got to tell your boy to chill. And, ladies and gentlemen, I wish this was the first time I received a message or heard something like this from one of my female associates. Your boy's got to chill. That sentence alone gives me chills because I already know if a woman's going to come out and say that and say it with a serious face and not laugh, she is uncomfortable. And we have talked about it on this show before. I cannot fathom what it's like being a woman every single day and the amount of times y'all have to be uncomfortable just doing normal things. Walking to your car, grocery shopping, going to the laundromat, going to work. Y'all are constantly being put in situations where y'all feel uncomfortable. And I recognize that. So when I get messages like this, like I've received, I'm listening. I'm like, yo, what's up? Like, what happened? Because if it's a homeboy I'm close enough with, oh, best believe I'm checking that. And honestly, I might check you in the group chat so all of us can fry you up. Not to fully embarrass you, but just so the embarrassment makes sure that you never do something stupid and silly like this again. Because it's not just about the girl. Black men, I'll tell y'all. Everything you say, everything you do, there will be consequences to it. We're not living by the same rules as all these other folks. And these women understand that. They know this. And they will sit on information. They will sit on messages just to come out and smack you with it. And maybe your most vulnerable state. So I hit her up. I said, you know what? Okay, what happened? Who is this? And it was a dude that I'm not really that cool with. I don't really know him that well, but I do know of him. Kind of started back when I was like on the back end of ESPN when I was leaving. So I don't really know him too much. I've seen him around. Enough for where he followed me on Instagram and I followed him type thing. It happens a lot, right? So she sends me the message that this guy sends her because she says, like I said, your boy needs to chill. He's making me uncomfortable. And... He just won't stop messaging me. So I say, hey, yo, what did he say? You know what I'm saying? Because I, I need to know what's really going on. Because sometimes women will just say things like that. Maybe it didn't work out the right way. And, you know, I'm going to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. You know, innocent until proven guilty. But I'm almost positive what she sent me could not have been made up. I'm going to read it to y'all. She said, I'm going to summarize it for you. But I'm going to copy and paste this part because this is how we started. This is... The young man talking. Okay, so first off, 
don't take this the wrong way. And I know your first instinct is going to be, this has nothing to do with you. I assure you it does. First of all, bro, if you have to explain why you were sending this message off the rip, that's a clear indicator that, bro, maybe you should just tuck this one. Maybe you should not go forward in pursuit of this young lady. I'll continue. And I know this might sound weird or random since you don't know me yet, but would you ever date a pro athlete? Knowing your life would be tweaked a bit? Generally speaking, there's a specific reason why I asked that, but I want to get to know you better first before I explain so that when I do explain, it makes sense. And no, I'm not referring to myself just in general. What would you do if you found yourself in the situation? And I'm going to explain exactly why I asked that in a little bit. That was his initial interaction with this young lady. He had hit her up, sent her the hard eyes, sent her the fire emojis, you know, little things like that. And she wasn't really responding. So he hit her with this long paragraph. Now, I have no idea why he started off with this. I have no idea. I don't need to know the context of it. Bro, that is weird and that is creepy. First things first, this guy has nothing to do with professional athletes. Just because we work at ESPN, 99% of us would never encounter an athlete once. The ones that do are very, very fortunate. The ones that do, don't do weird things like this to where we can make not only ourselves look bad, but the company. I'm going to tell you, this brother was not one of them brothers that had any affiliation with an athlete. So why he would even come at Shorty about athletic things is already weird. Because either you're trying to say you're a former athlete, you work with athletes. It just It's a weird way to come about it. So then he sends her this message and she doesn't really respond. I believe she responds... Like most women would where it's just like, yo, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm sure she didn't want to respond, but like, that was so crazy. She had to learn more, right? And she said he just kind of continued about this little thing talking about, yo, well, would you ever date an athlete? And then she said how she wasn't really going for it. And then he just switched up and just dropped the whole thing. Never explained to her why he brought up the athlete thing. And basically was just saying how he was trying to holler at her and how he was trying to be authentic how he was trying to be creative in a way of approaching her via dm but like i said this wasn't just like a one-time trick that he tried us like one shot he tried to take this is like the seventh eighth shot and like i said i this is lady is from my past life like we follow each other but i don't really know her that well at to this point we do not speak at all so for her to find somebody that she knows that works with this man and to tell him yo can you talk to this guy and tell him to stop I cannot imagine how uncomfortable this lady was. And what made things worse is this is not the first time I have heard about this particular brother. But like I said, I don't know him well enough to really say nothing to him, to really come at him or talk to him. But it brought up something to me that I thought was a very, very interesting conversation. I brought it to my group chats and I asked him, I said, hey, if somebody you know, a peer, a co-worker, a friend, has a track record for just being nasty with women, right? Because we do have those friends that just do a little too much when the females are around, right? They just start making them corny jokes. They start getting really, really loud, start talking about money, start pulling guns out and pulling out all kind of crazy nonsense. 
Because you know they're trying to overcompensate and impress these women. We've all been around those fellas that are like that. Especially, you know, younger too, you know, young dudes do stupid shit like that and don't always treat women the best. So we've all seen it, right? So I asked my fellas, I said, yo, what do y'all do in situations like that where women are coming to y'all about these particular individuals? Do y'all approach them? Do y'all say something to y'all friends? Do y'all believe the woman, right? Because that's the thing too. Are y'all just taking what she says, right? Are you going to ask for screenshots like how much does it take? And it was, it was a great conversation. Because like I knew they would, all of my friends said, yo, man, certain behavior is just unacceptable. Some friends said they would say some. Some friends said they would, they would dead the whole relationship. And I felt that. I truly did. And I'm somebody that always tries to take the man's side. Because I get it. I understand how hard it is to court a woman. To try to find creative ways to holler at women. Especially when you're not an athlete. Especially when you don't have money. I understand. But fellas, we have to stop thinking that all of these women want us. Because it's not the truth. It's not. And it's creepy and it's weird. It is so strange. I have so many female friends. And I see the way that some of these men interact with them and deal with them. And it's nasty. I've been at ESPN where uppers, like higher up people, HPs, highlight producers, things like that, would just talk to these women in nasty ways, look at them, compliment them, comment on their attire. Just weird little things. And maybe they really meant nothing by it. Maybe this young brother that sent this DM really meant nothing by his approach. But the fact that this young lady could screenshot his message, send it to me, and say, get your boy in check. Imagine if I was somebody else, right? Imagine if I really did know this brother. Imagine if I knew this brother's supervisor or his boss. I don't know the context at all of what their conversation or what their relationship is like, but all I have is these DMs and this young lady telling me she's uncomfortable. I could have went to HR. I could have went to his boss. I could have ruined this brother's career. And fellas, I bring all this up to tell y'all what's at stake. Sending these DMs, hollering at all these hoes, having There's a lot you can lose with that. One DM could have you in a New York Times article that's about women being me too. I know brothers from ESPN, good, hardworking brothers, that ended up in articles about sexual harassment because the way they were communicating with these women were making them uncomfortable. And I know fellas, y'all gonna tell me, oh, well, why don't they just say anything? Oh, well, they laugh, they smile back. They don't really say anything until it's too late. But imagine being a woman, put yourself in their shoes. What if they do say something right on the spot? Y'all gonna call them crazy. Y'all gonna say, oh, well, I didn't even want you, blah, blah, blah. Y'all gonna say they're emotional. Women deal with that kind of stuff constantly. And they also feel at, at times that maybe their job is at stake. I've known women that have been sexually harassed at places like ESPN and were terrified to say things because they didn't think anybody would believe them and they also thought that they may be in danger. So maybe when you approaching shorty like that and she's laughing nervously but not really saying nothing, maybe wonder, is she comfortable? Is pulling up on shorty while she's in the middle of her set at the gym the right time to try to form a relationship? Nine times out of ten, I promise you it's not.
And fellas, it's a slippery slope, I promise you. I'm not here preaching because I am somebody that is very, very friendly. I am somebody that speaks to everybody. I compliment everybody. I am just naturally like that. And I have had to tone that back so much because I never want to come across as somebody that has an ulterior motive. When I'm friendly, I'm just friendly. But even I've had to realize that I can't always be friendly with certain people that I can't always be super nice because every single day women are dealing with not shit men and gross individuals that are making them feel uncomfortable and they carry that around with them. So even when you're not really trying to be creepy, you may come off as that because you might been the seventh guy that's hit on her today. So fellas, I don't say all of this. I don't tell a story to judge you or to embarrass anybody. I tell you this because I want y'all to realize what's at stake. Not only what's at stake for you, but what every woman you encounter every day has dealt with in that day. Some women can't even go to the gym because of how men make them feel. So, fellas, please, please be very, very cautious and weary on how y'all coming at these women. Like I said, it's a pandemic. We're in an age where technology is everything, where social media and dating apps are everywhere. But before you send that message, before you send that DM, ask. Ask yourself. If this message was taken out of context and shown to your mom, shown to your boss, shown to your HR person, would you be in trouble? Would you owe somebody answers? Ask yourself that because maybe that DM wasn't worth sending. Wait till y'all get in person. Wait till y'all see each other. Wait till you feel her energy. It's so hard to tell people's energies online, right? We, we all working from home. We doing teams. We doing Zooms. And so many things get misconstrued because tones, because energies, you can't really feel it mobily. You can't really feel it through a text, right? Through reading something. So, fellas, please, I beg you, just be careful out there. Be careful because I promise y'all I want y'all to succeed. And I know a lot of y'all mean well. And I know a lot of y'all are just trying to find love in all the wrong places, right? We all are. We're all trying to find somebody. And it is tough being the man, the person that has to pursue. I understand it's hard, but just move with caution. Please, fellas, move with caution. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 36. Episode 36 of the greatest podcast in the world. My favorite podcast. Your favorite podcast. Your mama's favorite podcast. The Out of Character Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you're listening. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We're so thankful for you being here. If you're a returning listener, welcome back, family. It's good to have y'all here. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been an interesting episode, to say the least. Talked about a lot of different things. I got a little heavy on y'all at the end, but it's just because, like I said, I want to always use my voice and use my platform to not only educate, but to also inspire. And with that, to close episode 36, I want to talk to y'all about something that's been weighing heavy on my heart. Heavy on my mind, heavy on my spirit. When I feel like certain things are weighing heavy on my spirit, they pop up, right? They pop up in scriptures. They pop up in conversations. They pop up in trials and tribulations through life. And one thing that just, it's a word that's just been glowing in my head constantly. I'm constantly thinking about it, constantly reminding myself to have this thing. And that's patience. The word patience has stuck with me, especially through this year. 
And I think a lot of people forget about that word patience because we live in a world that's so sudden, right? Instant gratification we get from this world. Everything's fast. Our food's fast. Our internet's fast. Our communications are fast. We're always trying to find ways to do things quickly. Patience has gone out the window. And social media does a great job of making you feel like you do not have a lot of time. Making teenagers feel like they have to rush to accomplish and finish certain things because they don't realize that they got another 60, 70 years left. Because when they open up their phone and they pull up Instagram, they see that 13-year-old crypto trader that's worth millions and millions of dollars, right? That's what we see on social media. We see things that make us question our lives and the things that we are doing. And I'm guilty of it as well. I'm in a crazy business. This media business, this broadcast TV, social media business is nuts. It's cutthroat. There's not a lot of seats at the table. Especially if you want to do it at a high level. If you want to do it to a level where you're making a lot of money, you're making a lot of noise, and you're making yourself a brand and an entity. Those are the things I'm trying to do, right? So when you do that and you live in this social media world, you open up your phone and you see, I see so many people that are my age, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, that are just doing all of these amazing things. And I'm looking at my phone and I'm like, dang. Not reminding myself that nobody on social media posts their lowlights. Nobody on social media can tell their whole story. It's too quick. It's too fast. I have no idea what this person had to do or what they had to endure to get there. And now that I am somebody that when you open up your phone or you turn on your TV, you might see my face. People are looking at me in the same way. Like, man, how the hell did he get here? Why does he have that? Why is he on TV? Why did he get to break from a producer to talent? Why does he get to do both? Why, why, why? And it's not just people thinking these things. I have people directly come to me and ask me these things, right? And a young brother hit me up the other day. And he wants to do very similar things to what I do, right? He's at ESPN now. He's a young producer. And he wants to be talent as well. And he's not really getting the looks that I didn't feel like I was getting either back when I started, right? He, he just started. Like, bro, I ain't even a year yet. Fresh out of college, too. I was not fresh out of college when I went to ESPN. Let me tell you, I had worked in the industry for a few years. So I was a little older when I got to ESPN. This brother hits me and he says, you know what, B? I see what you're doing. And I love what you're doing. And honestly, I'm just sick of doing what I'm doing. I want to do what you're doing. Just tell me how to do it. What job do I apply to? Where do I go? What do I do? What is the path? Tell me how do I get there? I'm fed up. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be on camera. I want to do, I don't want to do this production thing. I don't want to be here working these BS ESPN shifts. I don't want to do it no more. I'm done. And this brother's probably 22, 23. And if there's one thing about me, I try my best to be empathetic, but with certain things, you just not getting sympathy out of me. This brother's talking to me and not realizing I done put 12, 13 years in this game to even be here right now. I wasn't at ESPN at 22, 21. It wasn't my first job out of college. So I'm looking at him like, bro, you further along than I was. But he doesn't realize that. Because all he's doing is looking at me and all these other quote-unquote young talent on TV, on social media, and wondering why he's not there. 
why we're getting these shots and he's not. And there's nothing wrong with him wanting to do these things and have high aspirations. But when brothers come at me like that, I'm like, yo, you're asking the wrong question. It's not what am I doing right now? It's what did I do to get to this point? And now that I'm here, right, and trust me, I have a long way to go. My dreams are huge, right? I have a long way to go. But now that I'm finally starting to accomplish some of these dreams I set out for myself years ago, I can truly reflect and say, man, patience was everything. Patience was everything. I think about back when I was at ESPN, when I was a young 24-year-old at ESPN, and it was like my first month there. And I'm getting after it, and I'm, I'm seeing all these things. And one thing ESPN does a great job of doing is they're going to sell you some dreams. They're going to sell you some stuff with very minimal follow through, right? They're going to tell you, oh, you can do this. You can do this. Your world's your oyster. Oh, pitch these ideas. Do this. You can work on this. They just tell you all of these things. And very seldom is it true for black individuals. That's just the facts. You could go look. Look at how many higher up minorities there are at ESPN, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I remember my first month at ESPN. I remember I called my sister, right? And I was geeked. I'm excited. And I'm telling her all these things I'm about to do. All these things I'm about to, oh, I'm about to, oh, I'm about to be on sports at a weight. This is going to be a year, man. I'm about to change this, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not going to be a producer long. I'm not going to be a business long. I'm going to be doing all this. About a month in. And she stops me and she's like, my sister and my whole fam, they're very, very practical individuals. They're very, very practical. They see things very black and white how it is, right? And she stops me. She says, well, didn't you just start this position you in now? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but, man, I ain't even worried about this, really. I ain't checking for kind of like the same energy this brother was talking, right? And she stopped me. She cut me off. She said, hey, B, why don't you just focus on doing the best job you possibly can at the position you have? And when she first said it, I took it as like almost like an insult. So I'm like, she trying to tell me I should just be happy to be here, right? She don't really understand the vision. She don't really see what I'm trying to do, blah, blah, blah. But when I got off the phone and I sat with it for months, for years, I realized she was absolutely right. All I could do in that very moment is work my ass off in the role that I, that I was given. Because to me, it wasn't like, I guess I earned it, but God gave me that role. God took me out of Nebraska, put me in Bristol, Connecticut to work at ESPN. That was his vision. That was his plan. And instead of basking in that and enjoying it and showing that I deserved that, I was already looking for something else. I was already shitting all over the blessing that I had been begging for. And so when I responded to this brother, I told him that. I told him that story. And I said, brother, you got to be patient. I know where you come from, man. I know you from a single mother household, man. I know you a first generation college kid. You being here right now is a blessing you being at the worldwide leader ESPN one of the greatest companies in the world and I still feel that way is a blessing as a young black man straight out of college bruh this is something that God bestowed upon you that thousands millions of people wish they could do and I know you don't see it right now young brother I know you don't see that but let me tell you the only thing you can do right now is be patient and trust that God would never put you in a position to fail if you have dreams, God knows your dreams. And I know this brother is a God-fearing man. That's why I'm speaking to him like this. I'm not trying to preach, but I'm talking to him. I'm trying to level with him, right? Because I know his foundation is much like mine. It's instilled in faith. 
And I told him, bruh, enjoy this moment. Enjoy this because I promise you, you're going to get to everywhere you want to be. But too many times we try to rush that process. We don't have patience and we try to rush it. And we take for granted all the things we work hard for. I don't know how many people I've seen leave ESPN and do absolutely nothing. Jumping from job to job every other month, it's a different job, oh, blah, 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 because nothing's going to be quite like ESPN. I love my current job right now. I love working for the Spurs, but let me tell you, it don't touch ESPN's facilities. It don't touch the benefits. It don't touch the money. None of that. It just doesn't, right? But I've been around the block a few times, and I understand the things Spurs check a lot of boxes ESPN wasn't checking, right? And so sometimes even me, I have to check myself in my current position and say, be patient because you prayed for this, B. You prayed for this. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening right now and you're like me or you're like that young brother that reached out to me, be patient. Understand you have been waiting your whole life to be where you are at today. Young you was manifesting all of this. You put in the work to get all of this. The worst thing you could do is be impatient and rush that process. Because if I would have rushed it, if I would have zigged instead of zagged, if I would not have trusted God's plan, if I would not have listened to my sister and done the absolute best job I could do as a producer, I would not be here right now. And I guarantee you I would not. My ability to work hard, to do things that maybe I didn't necessarily want to do, but still do them at a high level. Those are the type of things that stand out in this world. And to all the young brothers listening, all the young sisters listening, be patient. You are almost there. Don't rush it. You could have two or three more swipes to get to that goal mine. But if you stop and never hit that second or third swipe, you'll never even touch the goal. You'll never see it. You can go in a whole other direction and somebody else can go get that goal. That's what's at stake. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't listen to none of the things I talked about today, all the topics we talked about, just take this one thing. Be patient. Be patient in life. Be patient in your relationships. Be patient with yourself. And be patient with God. Because I promise you he has a plan for all of us. If we work hard, if we humble ourselves, if we trust that there's a plan set out for us to accomplish everything we set out to and we stick to it, I promise you, you will accomplish everything you were looking to accomplish. Patience, people, patience. This is episode 36, episode 36 of the greatest podcast in the world, the Out of Character Podcast. As always, I am your host, Brian Colbert. My friends call me BC. You can call me BC, too, if you listen. If you're listening, we appreciate you for listening. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, God bless.